Welcome to, again, another episode of Talk More Talk, solo Beatles video cast, where we talk about the careers of John, Paul, George, and Ringo after they broke up with the Beatles, and occasionally talk about Beatles goodness, too, when there's material coming out, which there is going to be. I'm sure we'll find out more about that in the news when we get to the news segment. Uh, I'm Joe Mayo. I have a channel on YouTube called Mean Mr. Mayo, where you probably know me best from. And uh, we got an interesting topic here today, talking about the old one-two, you know, one-two punch <laughs> uh, with the solo career albums. And before we get to that, let's uh, introduce the co-hosts that I'm involved with here. And of course, as we always do, I do a ladies first policy, you know, so that's why I'm going to, you know, introduce Tom first. Here. No, I'm, just, I'm, just, I'm just kidding. I'm just, that just came to me. You're lucky I like you. Yeah. <laughs> she is the, the, the queen of all Beatles media. Uh, the Sun Queen, as I've called her for short. Not, not in a while yet. She has a couple of books, uh, Beatles related, songs we were singing, guided tours through the Beatles' lesser known tracks, and her latest, Fandom and the Beatles. Let's introduce and welcome Kit O'Toole. Thank you, Joe. And I love the Sun Queen. That I've always <laughs> liked that. I'll, I'll, I'll take it. And hey, Tom, and welcome back, Ken. It's great to be with you again. It's yep. great to and, be back. Thanks. <laughs> okay, now to introduce him with apologies for that little little joke before Tom. I'm really kidding. He's I the mean. one one leg of the video <laughs> cast called Two Legs uh, that he does with Andy Nichols, the Paul McCartney. Uh, all things Paul McCartney uh, talking about interviewing people who work with Paul and ranking his uh, songs on the albums and God knows what else. Uh, he's none other than the great, great wow. baseball cap. If I see baseball cap for this particular, I was going to wear my baseball cap. Tom Hanyati. Hey, thank you, Joe. Kit, good to see you, Ken. As you know, the song goes, Welcome back. Your dreams were your ticket out. <laughs> Welcome I'll, back. I'll bet John Sebastian's very happy that he wrote that song. Oh, I bet. Yeah. <laughs> He's gotten a lot of use out of it. Yeah. 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 A lot of commercials now and stuff yeah. like that. Oh, and, and last but not least, we have our esteemed radio personality. And a syndicated show, Every Little Thing, Beatles, of course, you should know by now. Uh, and his podcast that he does, uh, that I know is on YouTube and among other places, is Things We Said Today. And he's got a YouTube channel where he has a, a feature called Ken Michaels Radio, where he introduces all kinds of people. And uh, here he is, Ken Michaels. Welcome, hey. Ken. Hi, hey. Joe. 
Hi, Kit. Hi, Tom. Hi, everybody out there in TV land. <laughs> and uh, it, it's uh, it's great. It's great to be back. Yeah, we have to check off those honeymooners references. <laughs> Hello there. All right, everybody. I know Gary Wilbur will like that. One of our regular mm. viewers. Uh, shout out All to right. Gary. Um, <laughs> listen, uh, we have a, a, a kind of a milestone here. We were hoping that we would get on this show to 1,000 subscribers. And thanks to all of you out there, we reached that milestone. We got 1,000, so over 1,000 subscribers now. So thank you, everybody, for that. Thank you. That's thank nice you. Show. Thanks to all of you. We appreciate yep. it. Couldn't yep. do the show without you. Yep. Yes. And um, last show, we had Al Sussman filling in. Love Al. It's great when he's here. But uh, Ken's back because Ken, Ken wasn't able to make it last show. And I uh, just want to say that the, the topic we had discussed back then was the Ringo Starr Bad Boy album from 1978. And it was in our series called Another Listen, where we basically want to see if, uh, yeah, if it's kind of like retained a reputation. And a lot of times some of these albums at the time weren't so well received. And, you know, what did you think about it? Do you think it deserved it? Do you think it's it's better now or did you always like it whatever but ken wasn't here to be able to offer his two and a half cents so uh he's <laughs> he's here now and uh ken why don't you just uh would you like to hear your uh feelings on the bad boy album and how it pertains to that topic of another listen you know these days how do you feel about it these days as compared to those days uh, well, first of all, I think that you all did a great job covering the album and a big thank you to Al Sussman for filling in for me. And uh, it is always great to have Al on. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I liked the Bad Boy album from the very beginning. I still do. My feelings haven't changed at all. Um, for the most part, any time that I judge an album, it has more to do with do I just simply enjoy it? It's not a comparison to the last album, or in this case, the Ringo album, or to the Beatles, when I listen to it, is it worth my time? And kind of like you, Joe, you said something in the show that I were completely in agreement. I like nine of the 10 songs <laughs> on Bad Boy. The only one I don't care for is his cover of Where Did Our Love Go, which I've often said is you know one of the worst of all uh, the recordings that he made in his solo career. But at the same time, if you think about it, I wish every single album I ever listened to, I liked all but one song. Mm -hmm. And um, I do think that you guys were kind of harsh on this album. <laughs> um, there are a lot of things I didn't agree with, which you would expect of me. <laughs> um, I, I don't like think I was over. harsh. I felt kind of, I kind of felt kind of alone here. I was hoping, <laughs> I was wishing you were here well, the one to thing bail I me out. I don't understand one thing about what you said, Joe, because you said you like nine out of ten songs, and then you gave it a rating of a six. Mm. Yeah, I mean, oh, yeah. Well, that's that's different. I don't go by how many how many songs necessarily. Uh, I don't know the, the overall feel of the songs too, the vibe of the songs. Mm. You know, um, oh, the vibe for me is a six or so. I got I got a little in trouble for saying six or seven on a good day. People like seven. Huh? Uh huh. <laughs> But, no, but uh, yeah, I think yes, the it's... album's gotten a bad reputation through the years, mm. and I don't think that it deserves it. You know, the thing I've said so many times is that solo Beatle albums go from good to great. Every single one of them has worthwhile material on it. 
And um, while, uh, as far as I'm concerned, the Ringo album that he made in 1973 is obviously one of his best albums. And I don't think he made another great album until Time Takes Time. Mm. But yeah. at, the same, at the same time, um, I don't think the albums that he made in the late 70s, Ringo's Rotogravure, Ringo the Fourth, and Bad Boy, are worse than Goodnight Vienna. I think they're all kind of equal in a way. Um, but, uh, you know, the, the few things that I disagreed with, first of all, um, Tom, yeah. when you said, uh, <laughs> when you said Ringo, Ringo should have taken a year off, yeah. um, he did take a year off. He took 1975 yeah. off. He didn't release okay. an album of all new material then. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I uh, he only released the greatest hits album. Right. So between, I thought Tom I, Devil's Advocate time. Excuse me. I thought that maybe Tom, did you mean between Ringo the Fourth and yeah. Bad Boy? Right. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. Well. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Still. And I don't agree with that either. But I, I didn't agree with that either necessarily. You know. Yeah. That you see, have to. Have like, yeah. See, I I like the the how he started it off i mean okay yeah he had those first two albums in 1970 but then what did he do he had a single one year and a single the next year then the album which you know was great um and then okay and then you know again another album that was really good and then okay and now i'm just like okay why keep why push it you know maybe uh then okay yeah. maybe take a year off and then put out a good single another good single and th and then an album i don't know these are yeah. these are things that we'll probably talk about when when um you know we we talk about you know why did ringo's career fall apart in you know yeah. the second half of the set yeah. we have but, discussed uh, uh, doing yeah. a show on that and i think yes it involves that. a lot of thought right it, it, it goes far beyond whether or not the albums uh mm -hmm. decreased in quality yeah there's more to it than just that of course, I think. yeah. And I also think in the early part of the 70s, Ringo was trying to find himself, not knowing what to do after the right. first two albums. So he did really what he should have done. Right. Although, you know, hey, I really love the fact that Buku's of Blues has gotten so much more acclaim yeah. Same here. Uh, in recent years yes. and, and Sentimental Journey. Right. Yeah. But, um, you know, just to keep himself out there in the public eye, he put out the two singles in 71 and 72 with it don't come easy and back up Oogaloo. And then he made a great album with the Ringo album. Yeah. But um, yeah, th there is one thing, uh, sometimes I guess maybe younger fans might not be aware of this, mm -hmm. but in the seventies, it was a common thing for almost every single major artist to put out an album every single year. Yeah. It's just the way it was. Yep. And there'd always be this fear if you didn't have a hit record or if you were away for a couple of years, the public might forget about you. Right. Granted, he's Ringo, he was a Beatle, he's a legend, but still, you've got to keep the momentum going. You can't stay away too long without having a major hit. And then if, if you are, it's more difficult to get back in and have a, a, a hit again, a huge right. hit. That's right. just the way that it was. Yeah, so, but he wasn't a major, I don't think you can consider Ringo a major act like you could Paul, John, or, or George, because of the well, fact that he needed to rely on so many other uh, talents to, to be able to put out an album uh, year in and year out. But still, whether you like it or not, Ringo and Goodnight Vienna were major albums. They yeah, were and I don't, and I don't debate that. I don't debate that. Yeah, but um, mm. yeah, so, but that was a common thing, artists having one album every single year. And the contract that he had with Atlantic 
I'm sure exactly. he had yeah, to put out an album every single to. year. Yep. Yeah. yeah, we mentioned that. So, yeah. yeah, so, yeah. Um, there's that issue. I don't necessarily agree with what you had to say about George Harrison. George mm. Harrison was such a big part in the success of the first two singles, uh, yeah. definitely, and more so than John and Paul on the Ringo album. He was on four of the tracks. You got to give him a lot of credit. He put his stamp on those, those first two singles. Uh, especially with it don't come easy and back up Oogaloo. But at the same time, you don't want to have to rely on him or the other Beatles to carry you. No, and I true. think, and even Ringo's Rodegavior, as was mentioned in the show, mm-hmm. had involvement from all three Beatles and it still didn't do that well. Right. Yeah. Even, even though you can look at the fact that the Ringo album had the other three Beatles on it, I also look at the fact that four of the 10 songs didn't have any Beatles on it. Mm-hmm. And oh my, my was a top five hit in the U.S. Mm-hmm. without any Beatles at all. Right. No, on Goodnight Vienna, the no-no song didn't have any Beatles at all. And that was a top nope. 10 hit. Yeah. So not everything that he did was success because it had a Beatle on it. In fact, mm-hmm. I don't think Your 16 was a number one hit because Paul played the kazoo on it. Oh, you know? no. <laughs> that's, that's a funny way of putting it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Actually, but, that's that's what that is why I think. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I I love the fact that you gave George all this credit, and he deserves credit. And the other Beatles knew how to write for him. Mm-hmm. But certainly, really in, in my my estimation, I love the Beatles so much because they put out so much great music without the help of the others, mm-hmm. and it it happened in the careers of all four of them. Ringo relied on the other Beatles more than the others, but I still think he put out so much good stuff without any help from the other Beatles. Mm -hmm. And I do like the material on Bad Boy a lot. I think he he really shines, with the exception of Where Did Our Love Go? When it comes to um, cover versions, I love the cover of Lipstick Traces. I thought Heart on My Sleeve, there's no way I would ever put together a Ringo compilation in a solo career without having Heart on My Sleeve on there. Yeah, I, I thought that was one of the best cuts on that album. Mm-hmm. As I said, I thought it yeah. should have been a single. Yeah. And he did it on the show. It featured on the it, it, TV it show. It was a single. Yeah. yeah. It was the follow-up single to Lipstick Traces. Oh, was it? Yeah. Oh, oh, I thought it wasn't a single. Okay. Yeah. But um, yeah, it's just a great song. And I think it's important that the material that he chooses is what's suitable for him. And Bad Boy, I thought, was great for him. <laughs> you know, it's kind of a novelty-esque song. And it dates all the way back to uh, 1930, Louis Armstrong doing it. The Jive Bombers in the 50s, uh, you know, an R&B group uh, did the song. And um, I think it worked very well for Ringo. Mm-hmm. Um, I disagree with one thing that you had said, Kit, about, and, and believe me, oh, I my don't turn. like I. I, I <laughs> I no, tell you, I don't. I think somebody out there is listening. <laughs> I won't say his name, but he's taking notes right now. <laughs> Where did our love go? Is, is the is the only really big mistake on this album. But I think the reason why it didn't work. Uh, you had said it's such an iconic song and everything. Iconic has nothing to do with it. The whole mm-hmm. Beatles catalog is loaded with iconic songs, and there's lots of great covers of Beatles songs. No, sure. I just don't think it was a song that was that really worked for Ringo, and I can't picture him, you know, going "Baby, Baby." <laughs> it was, it well, he did it. He I did know, it. But it, <laughs> he did it manage just, to do it. The no, arrangement it was, was really 
was really kind of bad. Bad. Yeah, um, it, 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 it really was. It wasn't, it wasn't his finest hour. But uh, my my one song that I'm not so keen on when I say nine out of ten was "Monkey See, Monkey Do." Oh, and yeah. it's not horrible, but it's just no. not my it's not my favorite. Is a Michael Frank's fan? No, 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 no. Well, <laughs> I, I I treasure that recording. I love mm. it a lot. It was a favorite of mine all these years playing it on the radio. I think it's a great arrangement. You know, Ringo, I think, works very well when it comes to having brass on his songs. And in particular, that particular that particular arrangement, I think it really worked. It might lot. be old time relevant. Wait a minute. I'm getting mixed up now. That's the one, maybe. Uh, yeah, that was it. not. Yeah, that might be that might be the yeah. monkey see monkey do and I'm not just saying it because Ken said it. <laughs> okay, because I'll disagree with him on something right now that I've been biting in here for the last five minutes or so. Is Uh-oh. that uh, when it comes to the Beatles, I'm with you as far as the Beatles albums and songs, good to great. When it comes to solo albums, poor to great for me. Yeah, there's only a so. few poor for me. Indeed. <laughs> so, so we disagree. Go. Okay, but, that's um, what makes the world go round. Long and winding road. <laughs> long and winding road. <laughs> um, uh, is moderator supposed to keep things on the track, or what? <laughs> hey, just just got just got to throw in one comment in here. I just have to say it. Richard Kotwicka added, uh, "George helped Ringo because he knew what it was to be the dark horse." Hey, <laughs> hey Ringo. Those two, those two worked so well together. They did. Uh, that's really, really did. George knew how to and, write for him. And that's what I was trying to stress. And, I mean, was the fact that they their team should their, their their work together was just was done so well that why, you know, break that up. I understand, you know, maybe George is not always gonna, you know, have time for Ringo or whatnot. But then look again, a couple years later, they have a top forty hit with Rack My Brain. You know, so that success there was, well, was King of Broken Hearts didn't, didn't, it was good but it didn't do much but no, by that time nothing know, was going to do yeah. it's the fault yeah, but I mean it just barely cracked the top 40 racked my brain I wouldn't still call that a 40. major success still top 40. it's still something you should acknowledge yeah. the top yeah. 40 single yeah. but, but you don't want to reach a point where the only reason why people even care about a Ringo recording is because yeah. another Beatles on it Agreed. you've got to make it on Agreed. your own you can't be mm-hmm. totally reliable on that Mm-hmm. And um, so I do like just, every, just about every song on this album, as I said. So I find it really enjoyable. Monkey See, Monkey Do. You know, it's funny about that. I really all those years, I never heard the Michael Franks version. Mm-hmm. So I listened to it on YouTube and he's got that line in there. Every night we fuss and fight like Arabs and the Jews. <laughs> <laughs> Ain't no way Ringo singing those words. Right. <laughs> Admittedly, that yeah. line yeah. that line right. didn't age well. Right. That line didn't age well. <laughs> yeah, we don't want to uh, just think of Ringo only because uh, his songs are written by other Beatles or that he has Beatle involvement. We want to think of Ringo albums because he was once a Beatle. But it's hard not to because of the fact that all those years that's what he was doing in the Beatles was singing. Yeah, yeah. No, of course. Songs that they wrote for him. By well, the way, but then, but then the other yes, thing, yes. Uh, one of the great joys in following Ringo's career is right. to see him develop as Progress. a songwriter. Agreed. That is a progression. And on the yeah. Ringo the Fourth album, which a lot of people knock, he took the big plunge there and he co-wrote six of the ten songs mm-hmm. on that album with Vinnie Poncia. And I like all but one of those. And, Out uh, of the streets. Yep. 
And, I got uh, them on one hand here, Ken. <laughs> Out on the streets. Where did our love go, Angela? Yeah, you, you know most of. Well, now I like Angela. So you like you told you did something good. It's a beautiful yeah. melody, I think. But wait, before um, we move on from this, I have yes. to correct one one brain fart. It was uh, "Who Needs a Heart" that I thought should have been released as a single. That oh, was was that on a B? Was that on a B side or something? I don't know. I, I, I think I'm all was. mixed up. I, I, I have some yeah. of those portrait singles and I seem to remember. I yeah. So ah. it should have been error and A side. So anyway, that was <laughs> I got you. That was that was a heart on my sleeve. That was a yeah. single. So, yeah, okay. So excuse but, my brain fart. So anyway, <laughs> let me just sum this up by saying, because you mentioned who needs a heart. That's a song that I liked. And now I think is one of the most outstanding songs on the album. It's really grown on me a lot. Again, brass <laughs> mm-hmm. in the song. Mm-hmm really works well, especially towards yep. the end of the song. And I love Ringo's drumming on it, too, especially towards the end. Um, hard Times, great rocker, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. It's, it's, I love that performance in the Ringo Bad Boy special, yeah. you know, with him doing that and Hard on My Sleeve, two highlights mm-hmm. of the album. I like mm-hmm. Tonight as a cover from the Small Faces. You know, if you like all but one song, <laughs> it's an enjoyable album. So I would give it closer to like a seven and a half to an eight. That's my own, you know, rating for that. But as I said, it all comes down to, is it worth your while to listen to this? And after several listens, I like just about everything that's on there Hmm. for different reasons. And um, I think with the exception of where did our love go is a pretty darn good record. So it's well, not it's not the Ringo album. It's not Time Takes Time or his later <laughs> albums, but it's still worth listening to. Okay, Ken. All right. We have no time for the news today. No, we have actually Ken's got a good amount of news, I believe, to cover. And it's big news. You big know, stories. Oh. News. Well, so, so much happened in the last two weeks. You yep. know, um, there's two extremely big news announcements. Uh, that happened in that time, one about all things must pass and the other about Get Back. So we'll start about the uh, the news that the documentary film Get Back on the Let It Be Sessions directed by Peter Jackson will be shown on Disney Plus as a three-part series November 25th through the 27th, and it will be six hours long. What many fans have found upsetting is that along with that news is no news concerning a theatrical release. And for all this time, we've been given that the date would be the end of August. At the moment, nothing is being said for that. When nothing is said, it makes it somewhat difficult to say anything with confirmation. But most fans are interpreting this as though there will no longer be a theatrical release. Why the change in plans is up in the air. And uh, there's lots of speculation among fans. An excellent article in Vanity Fair has Peter Jackson saying that initially he didn't want to make this film based on what he had already seen in the original Let It Be. He didn't want to make a film about the breakup of the Beatles, but after watching all the footage he was given, he was waiting for it to go bad, but he found that he was continuously laughing. And when he met Paul McCartney backstage at a concert in Auckland, New Zealand in 2017, Paul was expecting to hear the worst about the film footage. 
He's quoted as saying, this is Peter Jackson, I just said to him, look, I've got to say, it surprised the hell out of me because I was expecting it to be a miserable experience for you. I expected to have uh, to have to witness a rather bleak moment, but it's actually the exact opposite. It's incredibly funny. It's incredibly lively. It shows you guys having a great time, and it certainly surprised him. Um, he said that it surprised Paul because he's never seen this stuff, even though he lived through it. It's a long time ago and subsequent events, I think just muddied the whole memory of this thing. Jackson says that quote, get back will be more revealing than let it be. I mean, let it be couldn't show George leaving the group, which he did on the seventh day. And then he obviously came back again. Let it be never showed that. Jackson said that he avoided using any of the same footage from let it be and even familiar scenes uh, would use different camera angles. And with some concern among fans that the Beatles and their families would be controlling the way this film would be presented, Jackson said he wasn't beholden to anyone's agenda and he had control over the final cut of the documentary. He's quoted as saying, I've gotten no edicts. I mean, nobody from Apple, none of the Beatles have told me what to do or none of them have said to me, don't show this, don't show that. I've been given no censorship instructions at all. I've been left completely alone. That's so, <laughs> with all that information, especially about the news that will be on Disney Plus, what do you guys have to say about that? What's your reaction? Well, I wonder. One thing I was thinking when you you're saying about how the uh, you know the Beatles have not really said anything as far as telling them what not to include or what to include. It makes you wonder then why they didn't have let it be out all this time. Then <laughs> apparently uh, there is some kind of feeling of like, look, you know, let's, uh, we don't want to be portrayed in this kind of a light. I don't think, I think they were holding back, let it be all this time because of that. Or somebody was one of the members of the camp. I, we've heard all kinds of things who it was, uh, Olivia, Yoko, mm -hmm. you know, Paul, although I don't think it was Paul, but um, yeah, so that's one inter interesting bit that as you were going through that Vanity Fair article, mm -hmm. and, I, and I noted that Peter Jackson had said that, and it's, it's great that he's going to do his own thing and he's going to have the final say. It's a little hard for me to really imagine that with, you know, that the, the, the uh, Paul, Paul the Camp, the Le Lenin's uh, estate, uh, and also the Harrison estate, and Paul and Ringo aren't going to have anything to say about it. I mean, they don't care just to look at it first, the whole thing, and say, oh, you know, I don't know. No final approval at all. That's bizarre. I mean, it's, but it's, well, it's not out yet, though, so let's not, uh, you know. No, I'm not, but on that note, if I may say, because I did the videos on this, and everybody says, oh, we get six hours. What are you griping about? We get six hours instead of whatever it would be, say, to, say two, two to three, three yeah. two and a half, something like that. And I'm like, well, how do you know that in this case, just to be careful, that uh, more isn't going to be less? I mean, because sometimes too much of a good thing. And we've all heard the albums. We've all heard uh, some really lackluster, mediocre, endless kind of like jamming and boring f film footage shots and things. Some of it's got to be a little uh, lackluster. I'm, I trust that out of 56 hours, I'm pretty sure Peter Jackson's going to use the best stuff. He's going to not going to let us down, I'm sure, you know. But I'm just saying, yeah, like we have to wait and see how it's going to be. And that includes, though, to see how great it's going to be. Just as much as hmm. judging it's going to be bad. You know, either way, we don't know what it's going to be yet. 
Well, I don't know if I would ever consider six hours hours of Beatle footage to be boring. You know, I oh, think I if have. it's have something that it? I've never, <laughs> if it's something I haven't seen before, I'll be fascinated by it. How much of it I will watch repeatedly is another thing. But um, I do believe that probably the four of them have felt through the years that what happened during Let It Be, the film Let It Be, is really the account of that. And that's how it really was. And they've forgotten some of the fun that they had during those sessions. Right. So um, it's just like Peter Jackson said, Paul was expecting Peter to say, you know, a lot of negative stuff and it's very depressing and things like that. And it, it in fact, it turned out to be in many ways the opposite. Mm. So, um, you know, I mean, John Lennon got to see the film with Yoko and, um, you know, the guy from Rolling Stone, Jan <laughs> uh, Wenner, yeah. and yeah. he was crying through it when he got to see it for the first time, but probably in his mind, that's how he remembered the Let It Be sessions. And uh, I know George thought that it was very depressing. That's how he remembered it. You know, there's always the rumors that he possibly was the one preventing Let It Be from being reissued all these years. Um, so I think that's probably a good reason why it wasn't reissued because of what the Beatles thought about that time. And Paul also believing that he was the bad guy through it, because right. that's what a lot of people were saying about him, that he was so dominating and at the time. So there could be a number of reasons why all these years it didn't come out. Yeah. But they probably don't remember any of this other stuff that happened. And yet for all that, you've got to remember, and again, this is so negative, I know, but the album was shelved. They, they went to Abbey Road instead. They couldn't face it. And also George Martin said, I don't want to work with them anymore. And then mm -hmm. he had to be begged to come back. So that, well, all the fun and all the up stuff that, well, we forgot it was really a lot of laughs and a lot of great times. And boy, we were wrong about that. History does show that uh, for whatever reason, at the end of it, they weren't exactly too thrilled with the material and putting the album out or George Martin having anything to do with another album. Okay, so, so where... you, raise, you raise good points, but at the same time, you know, the camera doesn't lie. Right. How you edit everything is a very big part well, of right, the right. process editing, of what you yes. show and what you don't show. Right. But um, maybe, you know, the way that we've been told this story about Let It Be is not totally accurate. It needs to be more balanced. So. And the other thing that's, of course, been discussed all week since this came out, and it's actually being discussed in the comments a little bit right now, is, you know, why is it not in theaters? Why streaming? I, I think part of it, well, of course, we're getting the bonus footage. Obviously, no, right. no hmm. theater is going to show this right, six-hour right. film. Right. But uh, the other thing, too, is, I mean, I have a feeling Apple did the math. I think they thought, you know, streaming is obviously extremely popular right now. Um, and, uh, you know, partially because of uh, covid I mean, obviously, it's become even more popular um, since COVID, and maybe they thought not enough people would, you know, maybe are, are not comfortable going back to the theater yet. But also, even though I, I know, you know, we're all huge fans, right? Mm. Everybody in the audience who's watching this, I mean, we, we'd all go. But would it be enough people to make that much money? I don't know. So maybe they thought that offering it as a you know in streaming uh would reach a larger audience and they'd make more money 
I mean, that's right. all I can figure. Uh, and, you know, why Disney Plus? Uh, a couple of people have asked that. Um, you know, I don't, obviously, I don't know all the ins and outs of, of the business Never negotiations. Contracted but... to distribute the film, I thought it was. Yeah, it was Disney for, Disney from the beginning, right? Oh, was it? Oh, okay. Well, and Disney Plus has been extremely successful. I mean, it's, uh, I mean, I'm not entirely surprised. Um, and I mean, look what happened, you know, with Hamilton. I mean, Hamilton has been, uh, I mean, that was one of their first marquee releases and, and that's done extremely well. So in a way, I'm not 100% surprised. A lot of people are saying, do you think there will be uh, a DVD release eventually? I'm guessing oh, yes. Yeah. How could they're not? I guarantee you this. There's too much money. And I'll tell you, even if they were thinking of not doing a DVD release, a lot of people, shady people out there are probably going to be putting out mm, <laughs> copies of the So you either <laughs> put it yeah. out the right way with all your bonus footage and extras and stuff. Yeah, but otherwise, it's going to be getting bootlegged. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yep. And that was one of my big concerns, too, Joe, was was Disney Plus, because they don't they are not releasing their stuff out on visit, uh, physical right. media. And right. case the point, Mandalorian. I mean, there's already had two seasons out of that show, and they haven't released any kind of physical media for that. So I was kind of worried about that. However, getting back to the theater aspect of it, they had an announce. They had a, a release date announced last year. Right. So they had to have had some kind of cut ready to go at some point, or close right. to being ready to go. So I mean, I could you know hopefully see that cut still maybe getting a small theatrical limited release, yeah. limited run look eight days a week did great and did really well in the theaters you know mm. we want to hopefully that that you know that they held was, it over too they, i mean right and you want to hope mm, that they can strike yeah. gold again on that as well i mean obviously you want to you know make as much money as you can all parties want to make as much money as they can on this release so i'm i'm, I'm still hoping because not much for the for the for the um, video aspect but for the audio i mean i really want to hear that audio in in the in a big theater with those surround yep. sound speakers oh you bet Absolutely. You know, and that's the main reason for me why i want to see in the theater but i'm i'm fine with the decision you know disney plus i was thinking about getting it anyways because i'm a big star wars junkie so i wanted to see the mandalorian so i'm yeah. kind of fine with it but um hey six hours yeah that's a, that's well, like a pretty I good say, six hours. If it's all going to be as much fun as in that montage, and then and then you got to think, count me the in. Physical, but... Yeah, the physical media aspect, and and then you can put more stuff on there, like how they yeah. did with uh, look when the when the Beatles anthology was released on TV, mm -hmm. it was what you got three nights, right? Yeah. Right. Then it was released on DVD. You had eight hours. Then I mean, sorry, VHS was eight hours. Then on DVD, you got ten hours. Yeah. You know? So you know the more the bigger the space on, on whatever it is you're going to put it on, the more room you got. And then on Blu-ray, you can get even more stuff on it. Compared 24. To yeah. You know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A month, 30 days. Yes, exactly. Get all 56 hours on there. Let's go. <laughs> One thing I wanted to bring up about this is that one of my concerns was going to be like maybe, but I got better with this. At first, I, I was saying, oh, well, you know, I wanted to like the idea that new generations were going to be seated in the theaters and everything. Uh, and uh, just like Rock Band introduced a new generation and their one album and anthology. Right. Mm. Uh, but then I, I was told by a lot of people in the comments to my videos, and, and it made sense. I said, you know, trust me, a lot more young people may see this now for the result of this being on Disney+. Plus. Plus. Yep, and may, yeah. may make future fans out of them, too. So that made yep. me feel better about that. 
Yep, I do point. remember seeing a lot of young people uh, in, in the theaters with eight days a week. Mm. I'm sure yeah. they were introduced to the Beatles through, with their parents there watching the movie. But um, yeah. yeah, I don't see why you can't have a limited theatrical release for mm. a week or two weeks. You know, and bill it that way. And right. everyone that wants to see it, you know, that can't how... wait until November, right. go and see it anyway. So you that... see two hours out of six. Yeah. You know you're going <laughs> you, you know to watch it on Disney Plus or find a way to see that. And and I also can't see how the, how they can avoid a, a DVD and Blu-ray. Right. Well, that's the thing they, is, I, they, I don't well, think it'll sorry. come out. It may not come out right. before Christmas, which is a shame. Right. Yeah. Yep. And that's how they did it for eight days a week. They, you get on your website, you put your zip code in, and then they'd show, show you the theaters that were playing it. And it was sure. a limited mm-hmm. run. You yep. know? Right. And, you know, I, I think that uh, a lot of people, what they really w- want to see most with the big screen and, and, and the state-of-the-art sound is the rooftop performance. Absolutely. So That's in a way, what I want to see in a theater. Yes. Yeah. In a way, if you think about it, I mean, I'm, I don't think it's going to happen that they're going to put, well, put a two-hour version out. But if you did, it probably would, that would be the, the draw. That you're going to get the rooftop concert on a big screen. That would be in there, you I'm it, sure. You do you it know? just like eight days a week. You show the film, and then after that, you have the concert. Right. Just like eight days a week. <laughs> and this could be a teaser for those people who may not be considering watching the six hour version you know right. so yep. so well uh, yeah. <laughs> all right all right i told well, you we're, we're this, moving this right show, along just covering this and all things must pass is a show that's all a right, show now, that's now, a now, show. The, now, now the dessert what's the dessert <laughs> dessert <laughs> i don't know i mean this and all things must pass a thousand bucks that's dessert <laughs> yeah. so uh there's also the ar- the archival release of uh, all things must pass which is now coming out august 6th uh, you guys probably know all this stuff, but for those of you who may not know, there'll be many configurations like in all archival <laughs> releases, including an Uber Deluxe box set, which will retail for $999. Not for anything, guys, but um, my birthday is coming up. I'm just like, <laughs> um, be careful. <laughs> <laughs> Along with that, there'll be an 8LP Super Deluxe box set, a 5CD plus one Blu-ray Super Deluxe set. That's the one I ordered. A 5LP yep, <laughs> Deluxe, 3CD Deluxe, a limited Peanuts. Edition. Peanuts. <laughs> what am I going to do with peanuts? A limited edition 3LP colored vinyl, a 3LP black vinyl, a 2CD version, plus it'll be available for streaming and for download. There'll be a new mix of the album from Grammy Award winning mixer and engineer Paul Hicks and overseen by Danny Harrison, who serves as executive producer. There'll be 70 tracks in total, 47 of which make up demo recordings, session outtakes and studio jams. It reads as though the songs that uh, made up the two main albums of All Things Must Pass are remixes but the Apple Jam sessions are strictly from the remasters. I'm fine with that. Yeah. Yeah. Of the five discs that uh, make up the CDs, the first two contain the two main albums and the Apple Jam album. The third and fourth discs are made up of demos. Disc three is from May 26th, 1970. Disc four from May 27th. And that disc is really what was bootlegged as Beware of Abco. Between those two discs of demos, Four, I think four or five of them were already released on Early Takes Volume 1. The fifth disc is made up of session outtakes and jams. 
Now the limited Uber Deluxe Edition includes, we're not going to say everything that's in there, but uh, the album on eight LPs and the five CD Blu-ray uh, housed in an artisan design wooden crate accompanied by two elegantly designed books paying homage to Harrison's love for gardening and nature already made available online as a recording of Run of the Mill, Take 36, which if you haven't heard yet is on YouTube. The, um, the descending notes that you normally hear by the brass on the song, you hear it on guitar. So it's mm. a very different feel and you don't have the Phil Spector production. So it's more like it's just the band by itself. Mm. It's really nice. Wow. Uh, also an article in Rolling Stone includes quotes from Danny Harrison, Klaus Vorman, and engineer Paul Hicks on All Things Must Pass and the new box set, especially on the technical side of mixing the album. Interesting tidbit from Danny who said that he and Paul Hicks wound up mixing so many tracks, yep. the number given was 110, that Danny was hinting about future releases, but Danny wants to make sure that only the recordings of the highest quality come out. So a number of people have been speculating, myself included, maybe early takes volume two or three. I was going to say. Yeah. Would be sweet. Yep. Yep. How uh, sweet it is. Yeah, it would be nice. <laughs> <laughs> this, yes, indeed. This, this, this surpassed all of my thoughts or hopes for the for this set. Um, not just because I'm getting the Uber Deluxe set, but I mean, really, what the what I what I saw, what was what was coming out in this set, I was really happy to see things like you know, beautiful girl and you, and you know, because where all those songs originated from, yeah. um, you know, Duradun, you know, just a bunch of different things. And looking forward to, and like you said, I mean, the the stuff that was from what Beware of Apco bootleg, yep. you know, getting that stuff too, um, mm -hmm. it's going to be fine. And uh, yeah, I'm really looking forward to, it. really happy be with with everything that they have on this release no no you just want that bookmark that's taken from the fire oh, park the tree. <laughs> it's uh, as we all mentioned it's all about the no it's all about the gnomes really it's all about gnomes I, yeah that's why it wants those gnomes i know i, I want, want those them. gnomes oh the gnomes yeah. that, that is so tempting but but yeah. i i can't wait to hear you know the demos the, yep. the i mean that's what i love about this stuff the demos the outtakes i mean come on that's, if, you I, that's already, if you love Beware of Abco and you've got a whole Dude. other disc <laughs> like that, what a treasure that is. But I did notice that actually one of our viewers, Tom Brennan, pointed this out to me. The song I Live For You, which was a great bonus track when All Things Was Passed came out uh, when it was remastered in 2000. Um, you only get the demo of that on this box set. You don't get the finished studio version with the band and i have no hmm. understanding why that is that's it's a great weird. recording right. should have been on the original all things was passed as far as i'm concerned i guess it's so. a good thing i still got my 20th or 30th anniversary of uh, all things was passed yeah me too yeah so don't get don't get rid of that set then nope. did i say 20th okay whatever I said, no i'm in 30th yeah it is 30th, 30th. Yeah. 30th. Okay. 30th. Yeah. um i'll do this real fast because there's a whole bunch of interesting stuff that i think many of our uh, viewers would want to know news from the always excellent Beatles in print together in solo Facebook page. A new book is coming out from photographer Harry Benson titled Paul. There will be a limited edition run of just 600 copies selling for 600 euros. That's about $750. And after that, there'll be a trade edition. This comes from Taschen bookstore from Germany. Also our friend Jude Sutherland Kessler 
is continuing with her series of books on John Lennon. The latest volume five is titled Shades of Life, but the book is expected to be 1400 pages long. So she's releasing volume five in two parts, the first of which she is now taking orders for. Part one for Shades of Life will cover January 1st, 1965 through the uh, mid-August of 65 when the Beatles leave the UK and get ready for their summer tour of the US. Part two will take it from there and it takes you through the end of 1966 for the US tour at Candlestick Park. If you're interested in purchasing part one, go to Jude's website, which is johnlennonseries.com. Also, for those of you who are looking to get the new tribute album for Ram, Ram On, it's only available as an import CD at the moment. But last week on June 16th, it was made available digitally. Mark and Carol Lapidos have announced that, unfortunately, the Chicago Fest for Beatle fans is being canceled due to COVID. Next year, the Chicago Fest will be the weekend of August 12th through the 14th, and you'll be able to make reservations beginning July the 12th. But that still leaves the New York Metro Fest up in the air, and that's scheduled for October 1st through the 3rd at the Hyatt Regency, Jersey on the Hudson. As soon as we know something, we'll pass it along to you. A few releases here to take note of. June 24th, that's this week, the cookbook, <coughs> Linda McCartney Family Kitchen, comes out. Also, June 25th is the release date for Gabe Dixon's new album, Lay It On Me. Gabe, we know, for playing keyboards on the Driving Rain album and being at the concert for New York and uh, being a great guest on my YouTube channel, also was on Two Lakes. Um, and one of my primary sources for news, Darren DeVivo. Hmm has informed me that Robbie McIntosh has just released a new album called SeaWorld. It is self-released and contains 11 new songs. Strange thing is that it's not even mentioned on Robbie's own website. He needs to update it. Darren <laughs> bought the album through Bandcamp. I did check and Amazon has it listed for download only. No CD or vinyl. Hmm. I want to make mention of a power pop guy, Jonathan Pushkar. Oh. You know him for being on Gem Records. He was also part of this wonderful tribute for John Lennon that came out last year. He does a couple of John Lennon covers, just like Starting Over. And I think he does uh, I Feel Fine, I think. Where is he here? Uh, oh, Starting Over. I Call Your Name, he does as well. So he has this new album out called Compositions, 11 new recordings. He covers Junior's Farm on there. And he managed to get Jeff Britton the drummer from Wings, to play on his version of Junior's Farm. In fact, uh, Jeff Britton plays on three other cuts. And uh, also John Murjavi of the Weaklings plays guitar on Junior's Farm as well. So check that out. Um, Peter Asher is returning to the concert stage. He'll be touring in July and August with guitar great Albert Lee. Also Kate Taylor, the sister of James Taylor. And bass guitar great Leland Sklar. You can look uh, for a list of Peter's concert dates at his website, PeterAndGordonTheSingles.com. Peter, by the way, celebrates his 77th birthday tomorrow. Wow. And some guy named Paul celebrated a birthday ooh, last Friday. Ooh, Let's ooh. not forget about that. <laughs> <laughs> so we wish Paul McCartney a happy 79th birthday. I'm wow. just going to mention this, well, for two reasons, because we had Fernando Perdomo on our show. He's one of the co-producers for Ramon. Uh, last Tuesday, June 15th, Harry Nilsson would have turned 80. Wow. And there was a virtual tribute concert online 
with many performances of Harry's music. Fernanda was on there doing Me and My Arrow. Ah, nice. Yeah. Good song. Two last items I got here, and that's for concerts coming up. The Fab Four Music Festival, which will be happening on July 10th at Nolan Field in Ansonia, Connecticut. Ten Beatles tribute bands performing the entire day. There'll be a uh, scheduled special guest there. Brute Force will be a special guest on wow. stage. And I'm going to try to get everybody in the crowd to sing King of Fa all together, as loud as can be. Mm. You know, I think Tom is volunteering to come I'm and join in on that. Bob, me there. Um, <laughs> very convincing there. <laughs> um, I'll be one of the MCs as well. This is one that Charles Roseney has put together for many years now, once a year. And finally, another Beatles Music Festival will take place the same weekend, July 9th through the 11th, called Fab Fest, happening in Charlotte, North Carolina. Special guest that weekend will be Joey Molland, The Fab Four, Robert Rodriguez, Bruce Spizer, music from Wonderwall The Tribute, Forever Abbey Road, and much more. There'll be games, video presentations, and fun for the whole family. For more information, just go to fabfestcharlotte.org. And now I'm taking a rest. <laughs> just a question, though. I mean, is Rosanay, the, the fest that Rosanay puts on, that's all outside, is it not? It's outside, yep. Okay. Yeah, I, I thought I heard that he was going to try and do two things simultaneously, an indoor and an outdoor, but no, he mm -hmm. told me it's it's all outdoor. And oh. actually, in, in, in the past, he's done both at the same time, depending okay. upon the venue. Right. Yeah. I was just thinking, though, but, but since with COVID, that it's probably strictly it's probably best, best that it's, it's best day that it's outside. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. Cool. Okay, folks, are we ready to go to our main topic? We got about 10 minutes left. <laughs> no, <I'm just> <laughs> <laughs> no, since when do we keep the show to an hour? We usually exactly. anyway, but, we but I, I would suggest like trying to be, you know, kind of move it along a little bit yeah. because the topic really, um, we've, I don't think there's really that much to say once we give our picks, but we, the, a little bit, but hey, we'll see how it goes. Maybe, maybe. Uh, this this is the know. one two punch. One yeah. never knows. Do one. Punch, punch. One, two. Let's box. It's uh, the idea of <laughs> that uh, in the solo Beatle canon. Uh, the question is: Think about all the albums that John Paul, George, and Ringo have done as solo artists, and come up with two albums that are kind of back to back that are really good or great, really good. I'm going to, you know, little, have a little leeway there. I don't have to be great, but uh, you think are real solid albums together, you know? Um, and why? Why do you think that? We'd like to know some of the opinions out there too. So let's, uh, I'm going to, I figured I have a list here of which order I'll go in. I'm, but I will start with John, I think, only because, again, we've been deprived of so many <laughs> potential albums losing John too soon. Yep. Uh, and I'm curious uh, to hear, well, I have some ideas what I think you're going to say uh, of what you folks think are his, if you're going to put two albums back to back, one, two punch, what would you uh, say and why? And uh, for this one, I want to start with Tom. Tom, what, what do you have for John? For John, I, you know, these days in my life, I'm going with, Mind Games and Laws and Bridges as the one-two punch that um, I would listen to myself and what I would suggest um, to other people out there. Um, I know 
you know, I've said on the show before with when it comes to Plastic Ono Band, I have to be in a certain mood to listen to that album, unfortunately. And I'm not always in that mood. <laughs> you know, I'm in a really <laughs> happy place these days. You know, and I get a lot of that on these two albums. Um, I just really think the stuff here is stronger than what a lot of people think they are. I mean, especially, you know, some of these, I think these albums didn't really necessarily get the credit they deserved or some of them didn't do as well on the charts as, as maybe they, they should have, especially Mind Games. Um, you know, some of the great songs on here like that I'm just now really starting to love. Songs like uh, I Know, I Know um, is, a, is a song that I just didn't care about in years past. And now I just, it, it's, it's like finally hit me, you know, and the songs like, uh, you know, Tight As, uh, in, intuition, you know, obviously out the blue has a big part of my life because it was my wife's and I's first song at her wedding, you know, so it's just, you know, very sentimental to me that a lot of funness to them and, you know, stuff like bless you scared, you know, number nine, number nine dream. And I think is one of his best singles, um, in, in his career. And, um, it's just, nobody loves you. You know, again, it's, I don't really feel, I know there's a couple downer maybe tracks on these two albums, but I always just feel like these are happy times for him, even though they're considered the lost weekend times, <laughs> but I don't see that on these albums really, to be honest with you. I'm just more or less, you know, excited and, and happy when I, when I hear these, when I hear these albums. You know? Okay. I uh, appreciate that. Thank you very much. Kit, let's do you next. What do you, uh, Pick for John. I know you love Walls and Bridges, as I do. Too. I know. I know. I'm wondering. It's, yep. Well, I, I think, yeah, nobody will be that surprised with my picks. Of course, that would be uh, Two Virgins and Life with Blind. <laughs> no, I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> no, no. Uh, yep. As much as those are bangers, um, I would say... <laughs> Uh, uh, yeah, they're bangers. Uh, they're, uh, pl I would say, um, uh, Plastic Ono Band and Imagine. I mean, come on. Those are, I mean, as much, and I do love Walls and Bridges, uh, but, uh, but those two, what a one-two punch. Um, and, uh, and what's amazing about them is not only because they are such classics, but they're so different. Um, I mean, it's, it's almost amazing to think they're, you know, the same person, uh, the same producer, um, you know, that you get, you go from Classic Ono Band, which is, you know, minimalist, uh, raw, um, you know, and, and you know, as you were saying, Tom, you have to kind of be in the right mood to listen to it. It can be a difficult listen, but, you know, the brutal honesty of it is, is just unprecedented, you know, right. and then you go to Imagine, which is uh it's still honest i mean you get a track like crippled inside which is you know about as honest as it gets um or the nastiness of how do you sleep mm. best diss track one of the best <laughs> diss tracks ever mm. written um but it's in this lush you know this lush production with the strings and um and uh and you also get um you know, songs of, of joy like Oh Yoko. I mean, it's it's just a beautiful, beautiful album. 
um, that that still maintains its honesty, but it's and all oh, oh my love and all oh my name. love. I mean, that, exactly. I mean, what a beautiful love song. He's, you know, declaring for the first time in my life, you know, I really love someone. And I mean, it's so Jealous you get. Guy. Yeah, but then you get jealous guy where he's back mm. to honesty, yeah. but it's in a different kind of, you know, it's not that quite that minimalist, raw kind of tone as on Plastic Ono Band. Mm. So you get these two sides of him um, back to back. It's just it's just amazing to me that that he recorded these two albums in pretty close proximity, same producer. And uh, and I just think that's a monumental achievement so those are my two albums all right well i I didn't know if anybody was going to say maybe uh you know two virgins and life with the lions but uh you had me going there for a second (laughs) i don't know about that all right ken you're up what what do you got for john that's that's kit on a wild night (laughs) (laughs) you don't know the other side couple couple run punches (laughs) yeah We got some videos that we recorded at Turks and Caicos with her working on those two albums. Yep. What are you talking about? Drinking doesn't affect me. <laughs> um, uh. I am actually going to go with the same two that Tom said. Um, there's no doubt about it. Plastic Ono Band and Imagine are two classic albums, and I wouldn't I wouldn't argue with anyone that would say that they're two of his best albums, but I tend to go a lot with the the albums that are underappreciated or not acknowledged as much. And you don't really hear anything from the Mind Games album on the radio except the title track. And for almost 40 years now, I've been pushing Mind Games on my radio show, (laughs) the album that is. And uh, when it comes to ballads, I think I Know I Know and Out the Blue are two of the most outstanding of his solo career. And, um, you know, there's a lot of similarities that you can find on, on his albums. There's always that apologetic mm. uh, John Lennon and Jealous Guy and in Woman. And I assume Sen is just the same thing. A very bluesy song, which is such a killer track. And I love the lead guitar solo from David Spinoza on there. Um, yeah. Mind Games is one of my absolute favorite John Lennon songs in his entire career. I love the song. I love the production, everything about it. And it is very Phil Spector-esque to me, even though, Phil Spector had nothing to do with the recording of that. Intuition's an amazing song. I think that could have been a single. Um, You Are Here is amazing. There's so many great songs on Mind Games that just don't get the acknowledgement that it deserves. And, um, you know, a lot of that is is due to, to John's own fault, because in interviews, he would say his best work was Plastic on a Band Imagine, then Double Fantasy. So everything in the middle, you know, he dismisses. But um, and Walls and Bridges was an outstanding album for so many reasons. I love the collaboration with Elton John. I think they sounded great together. I like the depressing side of, of John with Going Down on Love, for example. Oh, yeah. And Bless You is absolutely gorgeous. Scared is an amazing song. Right. Everything about I love it when it's just bare and raw without the brass and the strings. And then when you've also got that version too man it's it's such a work of art uh, the production on on that song and on number nine dream and stealing glass and nobody loves you when you're down and out another very confessional song you know from john i mean those are two outstanding albums you know i tend to to root for the underdogs in Mm -hmm. in an artist's career i like to do that with albums that aren't recognized as being really strong and i will not take 
anything away from Plastic Ono Band and Imagine. I've come to even appreciate those two albums even more because of all the work that was poured into those box sets. And you wow. got to see how songs were developed. And yeah. I can't wait till the same thing is done, hopefully, with my games and walls and bridges. But Fingers I crossed. love that. I love that middle period of John's the most. I really do. I always have. Yeah. Well, I, I tend to like things, too, that are the underdog or that you don't really uh, hear much about. And I love Walls and Bridges. I love that album. Uh, I, I like Mind Games not as much as Walls and Bridges, though. Yeah. So for, for me, to keep it pretty short, I agree with Kit. I don't think, I mean, it depends how you want to look at it, too. Is it, Again, is it what we think ourselves or is it a general feeling? I guess it's what we're doing ourselves, how we feel ourselves, not just a general, you know, a vibe out there in the world. But in this case, uh, Plastic Ono Band and Imagine, his two best albums, easily, that's it. And uh, <laughs> I think, uh, what else? Everything Kit said it perfectly. There's nothing else I can add to it. You got the really uh, great singing, I'll, I guess I'll add, of John on the first one, the Plastic Ono Band. I think some of the best singing he's ever done, best work he's ever done. Uh, but yeah, Tom is, is, is so right that uh, you got to be in the right mood. That's the only thing. But uh, it, it's, it's a masterwork, masterpiece. And then you kind of get uh, Imagine, which, although it is different, uh, some people think, I think John even said it was like a Plastic Ono Band with chocolate on it or something, you know, like that. Yeah, it's a more commercial version of it. But I think those are his two best albums. They're my two favorites, I guess, with Walls and Bridges right there, right yeah, there uh, as a third, you know. Uh, but even so, this is one case where my personal favorites tend to, I guess, go along with the so-called reputation. You know, it doesn't always happen, as you as you may yep. see. Hmm. Well, I'm looking at my list. Maybe not. Uh, maybe maybe it'll be com common thoughts. All right. So I'm going to do uh, Ringo next. I thought we'd go to. Uh, let's see. Ken, how about we start with you this time since you went at the end? Hmm. Well, you know, it's a tough thing with Ringo because uh, I've often said there's the Ringo album that was great. And then the next great album was Time Takes Time. But my problem with Ringo is Time Takes Time and the next three Mark Hudson albums are all great. <laughs> so if I had to pick <laughs> two back to back, it's really tough. You know, I could see any two of those albums back to back but i'm probably going to go with time takes time and vertical man oh, wow. only because uh time takes time is such a an important release for ringo because it was him really working really hard and making sure that every song was strong and putting the effort in and we can argue in future shows whether or not you think ringo really put enough effort on many of his albums prior to this, but I think we saw a whole new Ringo once Time Takes Time came out. 10 songs, they're all really good. Four different producers, with the exception of the two Jeff Lynn songs, you wouldn't know that there that they're are different producers. Jeff Lynn's songs kind of stand out, you know, in terms of production, but all the songs are really good. Uh, you know, Weight of the World, I've said many times. You know, it should have been a major hit record. And if it came out in the 70s, when radio was playing Ringo, especially the first five years, it would have been a major hit. Yep. Um, working with great producers like Don Was and Peter Asher and Phil Ramone and Jeff Lynn, I think that helped. And then when he started working with Mark Hudson, he settled down with, uh, in some ways, a core band with the Roundheads, although he also had superstars joining him on his albums. 
but I think Vertical Man is a solid album all the way through. I love the production of it. You know, King of Broken Hearts, we've said, What in the World, a lot of it's extremely beatle which I think um, you're either going to love that as a Beatle fan or you'll think he's relying too much on that. I kind of feel sometimes like part of the reason why Ringo departed from Mark Hudson is because there was too much of that. You know, mm. I think he, he was relying on a beatle sound. He was saying, you're a Beatle, you should scream it, be proud of it. And there are plenty of times when certain songs have a Beatlesque, you know, in terms of composition and in terms of production sound. You know, um, so, but Vertical Man is a great album all the way through. I love everything about it, you know. Um, I, lo- I love the cover of Drift Away on that. Yeah, <laughs> that's pretty interesting. You know, I, I'm kind of, it was a great song for him to pick because he, he's singing Give Me the Beat Boys. Right. It was a natural there. Yes. But yeah, um, yeah uh, kind of. Yeah, I think, I it's, I think it suits Ringo. Yeah. I like, um, there's a song on there, um, Without Understanding, which has sitar and a very Indian feel on there. There's a great uh, track called Puppet, which I think is really phenomenal. Um, what in the World is really a very beatle song. You know, everything about it. I, I love that. And Ladi Da is another one I yeah. think would have been, would have been a, a, good, a, a good single, you know, earlier in, in, his, in his career. I think it's catchy. The shorter version, you know, the sh- make it a single version. Yeah. It doesn't start. I wanna, it, it can't start uh, with that slow part, which I think, I think that's how they did it. If you ever hear the single of it, it starts out with the more uh, boisterous. Yeah, it starts in with the drums and then right, right. into the chorus. Yeah, yeah, which is, yeah, yeah. All right. Okay. Thank you, Ken. Now, Kit, you're next. Ringo, what do you, what oh. do you have for her, for him? Okay. I think mine will be a little more controversial. And one of my choices, it's, it's slightly, slightly cheating, maybe bending the rules a little bit. But <laughs> I think, I think I'm cheating the same way. Okay. All right. We'll find, we'll find out. We'll find and, out. And my backdrop here may, may give you a hint. Um, the last two albums that he did, uh, What's My Name and Zoom In. Um, you know, are these the best that he's ever done? No, but they shocked me. Uh, I mean, they really surprised me, uh, that here he is, you know, he, he put these out when he was, or recorded them when he was, you know, what, 79 and 80. And he sounds great. He sounds just rejuvenated, you know, better than ever. Um, he has this core group, you know, of, of friends, of songwriters that he's working with. Um, he's either producing, you know, his own album or co-producing. Um, you know, he's really taking, you know, charge of, of his own albums more and sounds great. Um, I, you know, I was just so pleasantly surprised with these two mm. that I feel like he is just on a roll you know i mean not that he. i agree kit thank you thank you joe i mean i was just you know i mean like the um what's my name i mean you know gotta get up to get down is fun um you know uh magic uh co-written with steve lukather steve lukather has been a great partner for him um you know with songwriting and and producing um the song what's my name i hope he'll go back on the road because i mean you you just know this is gonna you know this could be a great concert staple for him um and then 
he you know comes out with zoom in uh which i know is an ep but it's still you know i mean five songs and they were all pretty strong um you know here's to the knights i mean he gets diane warren to to write a song for him hey i mean that's that's pretty pretty impressive um and uh, you know great song for new year's eve and and i mean really that Ringo would record you know I called it I remember we did the show on it the pandemic soundtrack album I mean it's it's wonderful uh you know a lot of the songs have to do with with uh you know coping with hard times and and, you know cherishing your friends cherishing you know your wife and you know um uh, you know appreciating life I mean it's 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 just great I mean teach me to tango what a fun song that was Mm. I just think um you know to to be you know this time in his life to have this this kind of you know renaissance is just so impressive uh and I just love these two albums uh and they were just (laughs) such a pleasant surprise Uh, every word every word you just said is what I'm gonna say so (laughs) it makes it so easy I, that's what I picked. I'm, that's why I wouldn't even wait to go last because it's fresh now. Mm-hmm. I, everything you said, I, I agree with 100%. Uh, you know, I, I had, it's funny, people were saying in advance, oh, Ringo's tough to do because he's not very consistent. Well, I had a lot of choices for him. I could have done Ringo and Goodnight Vienna. I could have done uh, Time Takes Time and Vertical Man, which was mm-hmm. another, which was my thought too. Again. Me too. But ultimately, I said, I said, and I had give more love than what's my name. I had, uh, and finally, I said, you know, I'm going to surprise him. I'm going to, I'm going to cheat, and I'm going to do zoom in if I can. And that's what yeah. you said. So that's yeah. mine. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I'm going to go with you now, Tom. What do you have? Well, I, I love your, I love what you guys did. I think that's great. But I'm, I'm going with the safe bet. And I'm going with the I'm going with the winner, you know. I, I, with you know, Ringo and Goodnight Vienna. I mean, it's it's. I, I I'll be doing that. I'll be doing that soon with the safe right. bet. Don't worry, okay. Tom. We'll get All right, fine. <laughs> I I literally think you know these are. This is now where it's not personal. It's just I think these are his two best albums and the albums that I go to the most when when I'm listening to Ringo. Um, I won't. You know, we all we've said what we a lot about the Ringo album. It's more or less Goodnight Vienna that I think that still needs a little bit more. Maybe be a repraisal or, or talking up because it is a really yeah. good album and you know we've talked about how we, you know he doesn't don't want him to rely on the other Beatles well he really doesn't here um because we, we just got the one Lennon uh, uh right here on this and then the rest um, is, is covers but then Ringo also has with with Pontius and, and himself some some co-writes as well so and some good stuff with Elton John we all know Snookeroo is, is just a great song and we talk about the great you know the brass you know and then we mm. got that with uh with acapella you know which i think is, is a great song the no no song and um Ooh-wee is a great song yeah and then obviously only <laughs> you it was a was a major hit as well but i mean i guess you know we talk about you know why his career went down the hill and i would say an, another factor about that would have to be richard perry and I, the producer um i think he was did a masterful job on on Ringo and 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 Goodnight Vienna and I think you know he he deserves deserves, deserves I'm getting tongue tied here um there's a lot a lot of credit for for Goodnight Vienna because you know the fact that you know he didn't have the other three you know or the other two George and and, and Paul really on this album but um you know he I think 
worked well with Ringo and he knew what Ringo could do. I think he, they, you know, they picked some really good covers there. And um, I think it's, it's, it's a better album than what a lot of people think it is too. I know it's, I know it's up there in the Canon for Ringo, but um, you know, it's, 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 I think it's just as good as time takes time myself and, or some of his, or what's my name. You know, I think the songs are just as good. Well, I'll disagree with you on that. Yeah, that's I, I don't think I don't yeah. personally. Yeah. I don't. I don't feel "Good Night Vienna" is as cons- consistent as as Ringo. But maybe that's because Ringo was such a smash yeah. all the way through. Mm. I don't know. Yeah. But the moments that I love on "Good Night Vienna," I really like. Yeah. Oh yeah, "Snookaroo" is really one of his best songs too, and and Perfect. one that I, I wish he'd do live. It, oh yeah, that's oh, my that's my number one song. pick. If yeah. I could pick a track, that's the one. Absolutely. Yeah. All right, let's move on to Mr. Harrison, George Harrison. And uh, let's go with Kit first for Mr. Harrison. What do you have, Kit? Oh, this was this was easy for me. Um, <laughs> these are <laughs> um, his uh, two mid to late uh, 70s albums, 33 and a third and George wow. Harrison. Wow. Um, wow. I, I loved the, I almost view these albums as sort of, part one and part two because they have a similar sound um and i really felt like this was his you know he of course came out with all things must pass and then you know the albums after that were you know kind of mixed with critics and all and then he comes out with 33 and a third and um you know really starts rebounding uh in, in my view, I, I know Ken will kill me, but in my view, <laughs> I really started uh, rebounding with just some fantastic material. Um, you know, on 33 and a 30, you've got funk uh, with a little funk with Woman Don't You Cry For Me. You've got humor with Crocker Box Palace. Uh, you've still got, you know, spirit, his spirituality with Learning How to Love You. You've got R&B with Pure Smokey. I mean, it's, there's just everything here. And, and he's a wonderful voice. He's got a, just a crack band behind him. Um, and then and just a few years later, you get George Harrison and it's even better. <laughs> I mean, come on. I mean, love comes to everyone. I, I mean, that's just such a beautiful, upbeat uh, kind of uh, kind of uh, song. Um, then, I mean, two of my favorites. Uh, Here comes the moon and blow away. One of his best singles. Should I, have been a should have been a bigger single. I, I yeah. agree. I agree. Should have been bigger than it was. Um, you know, and and you can tell he was in a great place with Olivia. You know, with songs like Dark Sweet Lady. I mean, you know, just some beautiful love songs. You know, he, his tribute to his love of Formula One. I mean, you know, he's he's in this this happy place. And again, great band backing him. So, you know, they're similar in sound, um, but you just get this sense that George is in this, you know, even though you've got your song um, or this song, excuse me, um, <laughs> where he's, you know, fighting back against the whole court case, obviously. But other than that, he's definitely in this this happier place and you just hear it on these two albums. I, I love them. Uh, and uh, as I said, to me, they're like part one, part two. So mm. those are my picks. Very cool. Very nice. Very nice. All right, Tom, how about you for George? Going with the winner once again. You I, I, I just don't see how you can 
not pick these two albums um, personally. Um, you know, we're going to be talking more about all things must pass here uh, in August. But, you know, living in the material world um, was one that it really took me a little while to to get old, get recognized as a really great album was not a big fan i mean i i, I like um give me love give me Pierce on earth i just never yeah. really cared for his vocals uh, on that song but i've come to really appreciate that i mean all the the, the the slower stuff the more personal spiritual stuff uh i think is is phenomenal on here you know you got the you know sumi suyu blues which you know has the the connection um you know the the single that should have been don't let me wait too long i think is excellent uh be here now try some buy some um the band again you know you, you talked about the backing band that he had with uh you know on those other two albums i mean this this the band that played on this was there were no slouches either you oh, know no. Nicky, oh, no. Nicky hopkins gary wright klaus vorman keltner ringo jim gordon you know jim horn you know i mean so you got legends uh you know playing as well and i just really dig the style of music that he's doing there and i, I really love the passion in his voice when you hear him sing certain songs on this album it's just really moving and yeah. um and I, I just yeah those are my two it's such a beautiful, beautiful album, Living in the Material World. It's an album that every time we talk about it, uh, it took me a while to really warm up to it. When I was younger, I didn't like it as much. But now it's such a great album. Now, that's going to lead me to Ken Michaels. But before I do, I'm really curious to see where he's going to go with this. Because I know that he absolutely loves Living in the Material World. Uh, I think he said it's his favorite album. Yeah. Well, it's way up of there, all time. that's for sure. And now, uh, so I'm like, well, well now what's he going to do? Is he going to go for all things must pass and living in the material world? Is he good? Maybe he's going to be different, go for an underdog and put living in the material world in dark horse. No, or is he going to like no. really surprise us all together? <laughs> all right. Well, first of it? all, let me begin by saying, Kit, I don't know where you got the impression that I was going to disagree with you. But um, no, seriously, 33 and a third and George Harrison, they would be my next choice oh no i didn't think you disagree with that part okay (laughs) you know i i um you know i remember when we were talking about the george harrison album here and ken womack kept saying it was you know this was his big comeback or he was finding his footing or words to that effect and i was saying what was wrong with 33 and a third (laughs) you know there's nothing wrong with that album those two albums back to back are killer albums yes Mm -hmm. um we should also mention we haven't said this before but it's kind of obvious that we excluded live albums yeah in this in this uh and picking the two albums that have to be studio albums back to back and um we have to say that since the concert for bangladesh was in between all things was pass and living in the material world but yeah i have to go with all things was pass Mm. and living in the material world (laughs) um yeah and i'm really happy for all the things you said tom about living in the material world I've been saying it for the longest time. It's an album that's really touched me. I just feel it's his most personal songs. And George has written a ton of personal material throughout his career. But you can't touch the light that has lighted the world for me. It's not just the song. It's the way he's singing it. It's the arrangement. It's the more simple production. You know, in many ways, I look at living in the material world as being like all things must pass without the Phil right. Spector production. Mm. You know, it's it's more of a continuation with a lot of spiritual stuff. So for those of you who dislike what Phil Spector did, you probably might like living in the material world more. But um, who can see it is absolutely stunning, extremely personal. I love, uh, obviously, the single, Give Me Love, Give Me Peace on Earth. I like how he brought back Try Some, Buy Some. 
which was first a single for Ronnie right. Spector. He wrote it for her, used the backing tracks, did his own yeah. vocals, works really well for George. And that is all to me is one of the greatest love songs ever written by anybody. As far as I'm concerned, don't let me wait too long. We talked about is the great single that never was. Yeah. There's so many great songs throughout that entire album. It's a combination of the material and how it's touched me personally and how you feel closer to him when you hear certain songs like these. I've often said living in the material world is almost like well, it could be like his plastic on a band mm. in that regard for coming up with songs that are really meaningful to him right. and how he feels about his status in the world and how he loves people who accept him the way he is, that he's not just the same person that he was in the past. He's not just Beatle George, you know, he's moved on. I love that about it. And at the same time, how can you argue with all things must pass? It's such a masterpiece. So many great songs, one after another. To me, you know, I've always thought that it's kind of flawless with the exception of you don't really need two versions of Isn't It a Pity. <laughs> uh, I would have preferred, you know, and I, don't get me wrong. I love the song Isn't It a Pity, but you could have put I Live For You in there all <laughs> oh, these absolutely. years. And yeah. It would have worked yes. just as well. Yeah. But, um, and Apple Jam to me is all just a bonus to everything else. There's so many great songs all throughout All Things Must Pass. And it's it's far beyond just the songs that got the attention on the radio. It's more than My Sweet Lord and What Is Life and Isn't It a Pity and Wah Wah. Uh, and if not for you, which is a great cover, I love Run of the Mill more than uh, yeah. I ever have oh, before. Me it's too. Become one of my favorite songs. The Art of Dying is one of my favorite songs. I'm still not that big on I Dig Love. Uh, I love I love the drumming on it, which is so unique. It's almost like a gated sound that's put on the drums. It's very very different. Um, yeah, but everything about All Things Must Pass is just so wonderful. How can you not go with those two? But then again. I'm all with you, Kit. 33 and a third of George Harrison are yep. solid albums. Ah. Yeah, one-two punch. Yeah. How can you not go with that one-two punch, right? How can That's you? Right. I also, I agree with you on, uh, of course, 33 and a third and self-titled George Harrison album. Uh, that, could, that could work. I, I agree with you on that. Uh, I, I do think all things must pass and living in the material world are the ultimate one-two punch. For George, but I, I yeah, I had I was gonna go. That was the obvious one. I was gonna go with that, but I had another one that's also cheating a little bit. And I'm wondering if uh, if it would be allowed. Is the traveling oh. Wilburys allowed Not as a George? Really. Uh, uh, because if if I was good, because to get out of the uh, other thing, that's a period where Cloud Nine is a great album. I think uh, it also that's his comeback album, and that's also. Uh, He's in great voice, and the, the songs and the material are all great all the way through. And Jeff Lynn, I always said, gave him like a new life kind of thing, and he became successful. You know, it had number one with the cover of Got My Mindset on You. And then if I was going to count the Traveling Wilburys in there, because it's mostly George's more or less, uh, I think, idea more or less. Uh, that's That just follows that where he was on a roll, you know. He was really like coming back in, in that sense that he was very – Popular, successful, and it was commercial, and uh, everybody liked it. So I'm, I just offered that up as something different. If you don't want to count it, I'll just go with all things must pass and living in the material world. That that that's really my number one pick. But I wanted to try to be a little different. I also love uh, the way he was going with Cloud Nine and that period, the Wilburys period, where he, we wish he would have toured somehow, did a little a little tour, a few dates with the Wilburys as yeah. the Wilburys. You know, oh, that yeah. would have been great. 
you raise a good point there, Joe, and that is that, um, you know, you take an album like Wings at the Speed of Sound, where every single member had a lead vocal, and then you've got a band like the Traveling Wilburys, where, you know, you, I look at the Traveling Wilburys as a band of equals with five superstars. Hmm. Or four on on this. The oh yeah, and believe me, it's not, it's know, not. I don't think of it as a George album. Just yeah. just for the purposes of, of this exercise, I was going to sneak it in. But it's, yeah. he was definitely on a creative. Oh yeah, band. I mean, no, no doubt. doubt about that. Yeah, 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 sure. yeah. All right, so yeah, I'll go with I'll go with the uh, obvious. All things must pass. And living in the material world, which is really my number one choice. All right, I saved Mr. McCartney for last, obviously because. He's got so much stuff, and uh, <laughs> would I say that there are a lot of uh, contenders here for one-two punch? This was a here? tough one. Uh, yeah. uh, so uh, for this one, I decided to go with Mr. Two Legs uh, himself, the Paul McCartney guy. Uh, start with Tom. So Tom, let's hear it. This was this was an easy choice for me. Um, chaos and memory almost full. Uh, I think this is um, some of his best one-two punch, not only just with music, but also in songwriting, you know, with, with the reflection, looking ahead, you know, I mean, the, the personalness of, of, of um, chaos and creation. Now we talked about, you know, plastic, you got to be in a certain mood to listen to that plastic Ono band. I think this is a little different because music wise, I think the production and the music just doesn't lend itself to be kind of moody, a little bit moody here and there, but there's still some, some upbeats, upbeatness here on, on this album. But, um, but, you know, I, I would always consider this kind of like his plastic Ono band uh, album, mm -hmm. just because of, you know, what he's um, trying to get out. But, you know, the stuff like Too Much Rain, um, you know, the song that I think is his best song in the last 21 years, writing the Vanity Fair, uh, How Kind of You, you know, he's really just, I think, talking to us on a personal level that he doesn't really do in his career that much. And I really just give this, this album so much credit for that reason. Um, and then obviously you got to, you know, talk about Nigel who, you know, did push him to, to make a great album and, and mm. actually tell him that, you know, hey, that song is crap. I mean, the, the fact that, you know, he told him he didn't like writing the Vanity Fair at first and then but Paul fighting for that song and making it better. I just really admire him for, for, mm. for pushing that. Um, and then, you know, then you got the, which is completely opposite almost in a way with memory almost full and, you know, it's more upbeat. And yeah, I mean, I, I complain about the loudness of the mix of this album. But again, I think these are um, the lyrics on here are just equally as good. I and mean, especially when we talk about the end of the end, um, you know, the lyrically there, it's just so heart wrenching, you know, and pulls at your, your you know, just pulls at your heart, heartstrings. And then looking back with like vintage clothes, and that was me, um, you know, and then, you know, the fun of like dance tonight, which is kind of simple, but um, not really lyric wise. And the house of wax i i think is is one of his most underrated songs that a lot of people i think is are noticing more and more these years i have yeah exactly and then you know uh yeah so i really appreciate these two albums more and more the more i listen to them and i think these are his best one-two punch right now for me uh, specifically lyrically and, and you know, Tom, I, I've always said the same thing. I think it's the closest, I think, chaos and creation to, of, of Paul trying to get, well, I mean, not trying to, but it winds up being like Plastic Ono Band, the closest thing 
to John's because it's more, it's more vulnerable. There's some pain in there. There's, mm-hmm. you know, unhappiness in there and stuff like that. So it's a very strong album. So, yeah, I, think so. I, I, I like yeah. your choices. Okay, uh, Ken, you're up next. First of all, just want to say I'm so grateful that we have been saying quite often how great the end of the end is yeah. as a yes. song. And really, everybody should recognize that as one of the greatest songs he's ever written. Um, I need to ask the three of you a question because I didn't bring this up when we came up with this idea. But do you consider the Russian album a real album? Why not? Yeah, I guess. Um, yeah. Or is it just a side project that he did? Because he, the intent was just to release it in Russia. Right. So. You know, it's a real album, so that, I suppose. Yeah, but yeah, that, it's a affects, real album. that affects the outcome of what I'm picking. Because mm. normally I would think definitely without any question, press to play and flowers in the dirt back to back. But the Russian album came out in the middle, released in Russia. Oh. So um, I see. Well, if you <laughs> yeah. want to consider the original use my, <laughs> idea of that as, yeah, it's kind of like a bootleg in, in Russia. I mean, therefore, I think you can, you know, consider that not really an official release because again it didn't get you know released here in america until years after yeah that's a good point right well an easy way to get around that would have been to say well you know not only no live albums but has to be you know kind of original fall albums well i say it wasn't released here in the states until after flowers in the dirt right so i say you know more power to you there you go there you go technicality yeah we think about these things after the fact, like right, right when the show's about to start. Right. You know? yeah. But um, you know, if you don't count the Russian album, I would definitely go with Press to Play and Flowers in the Dirt. And I, I think Press to Play was the start of this Renaissance period for Paul, where I think most of his albums have been really strong all the way through, with a few exceptions in certain songs. Although, as Tom has done numerous times on Two Legs, there's so many albums where you could take out two songs and then put in two oh, songs yeah. that were bonus tracks to make it better. Yeah. But I love the fact that at the time of Press to Play, he was listening to other music at the time and hearing what Hugh Padgham was doing with the police and Genesis and people like that and using some of that sound in Press to Play. I like when Paul doesn't just do what people expect him to do when he takes chances. And when he does songs like Talk More Talk or, or Pretty Little Head, I love it when he does that kind of thing. And then he mixes that with the more conventional stuff like Only Love Remains or, or Footprints. Right. Um, and then more rockers that are, that are more in his wheelhouse, like, like uh, Move Over Busker, for example. And I think everything on, on Press to Play is, is a winner. Stranglehold being a great album opener. I love the medley of Good Times Come and Feel the Sun. Another one of those medleys <coughs> where he's got all these different ideas and he works them all together right. and it all flows very well. Press was such a great single to me. Incredibly catchy. And I love the bonus tracks that were on the CD. Tough on a Tightrope being one of my favorite songs Song. from his solo career, writing that with Eric Stewart. I thought he was, uh, he picked a really good songwriter and Eric Stewart. And I just wish he had done more with him as evidenced by the songs that they wrote on, on Press to Play. And Flowers in the Dirt is my favorite McCartney album, period, at least at the moment, but it's been that way for a very long time. I love everything about it. Every single song is a winner, consistently strong. I love the production. I love the songs he wrote with Elvis Costello. Such variety all throughout. Some standout songs for me, certainly um, this one, which is the perfect pop song from Paul in every way. 
Um, I love Figure of Eight, although I wish that it had rock more on the album version. Mm. My Brave Face is an amazing song. We Got Married mixes jazz in, uh, you know, with rock and, and uh, that day is done. Very gospel-y sounding. Oué Le Soleil, dance track. There's so many different types of styles of music throughout. Distractions is amazing light jazz feel to that and um you know those two albums back to back and you know i could just as easily go from flowers in the dirt to off the ground if you want especially if you include all the bonus tracks from off the ground <laughs> yeah so but if you're just talking about mainly the album and we haven't even discussed if you want to include bonus tracks but right. if you're just talking about the album i i would go with press to play and, and flowers the dirt yeah. Whew. you're a better man than me ken <laughs> <laughs> No, I know you. I know how much you like "Flowers in the Dirt." I know that. I know it's your favorite album, uh -huh. Paul's. Um, well, Kit, I'm going to go to you. I'm guessing we're going to be on the same page, but you never know. All right. <laughs> well, well, maybe not. <laughs> no, I don't know, uh, Tom. I always knew you were uh, an educated uh, man, and and Please. I and that and that uh, we were, you know why we get along so well because I picked the same wow. uh, same one. Right. <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> Chaos and, and memory almost full. Wow. Um yeah, I mean I I think he uh it, you know both albums um you know were really a different sound for him. I think in a way he took chances on those albums too. And I I love press play and flowers in the dirt as well. Um, but I, I think he took chances on those. I mean, chaos even has a different sound. I mean, it has such an intimate sound. I mean, he's, mm -hmm. I mean, his voice and, and the piano and the drums are, are way up in the mix. I mean, it's, it's like, he's in the room with you. Um, and mm -hmm. he, and, you know, and he really reveals more of himself on that Absolutely. album. He right. really does. Um, and, uh, really more than he has, I, I think on, on previous albums and, and, and to the point where when I first heard it, I mean, it, I didn't like it at first. I mean, it, it, you know, I found it a little depressing. Um, not that I don't, I only want to hear happy songs, but I mean, it, it almost sounded a little the same to me, you know, but over the years, I've really grown to appreciate it, you know, and I kind of, I now, I get it, <laughs> and, uh, and I really now, and, and kind of like Classic Ono Band, you kind of have to be in the mood to hear it, um, and, uh, and you mm. really understand, uh, I mean, Too Much Rain, yeah. I mean, yeah. that is an amazing song, um, and uh, so, uh, and, and just, a, just a beautiful, beautiful album, and as we've talked about writing to Vanity Fair, um, I mean, that's a, that's an incredible song. And then you get Memory Almost Full, where it may not be quite as confessional, but here he is tackling another subject, which is kind of confronting his mortality um, mm. and, and that he's aging, um, you know, and I, I mean, I don't think he would have brought that up on, on, you know, previous albums. And so he's facing that, but he's facing it with such grace on the end of the end. Um, or, you know, even that was me where he's looking back on his life and saying, you know, can you believe this? I can't mm. believe that, I, that was right. me on that, on the TV. I mean, you know, great, great <laughs> stuff. Uh, but then you get some, you know, fun, uh, you know, fun rockers or dance tonight, you know, so it's not all heavy, you know, heavy subjects, right. Right. but it's just, I think on both albums, he took a chance, not so much in terms of, 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 you know, anything revolutionary, but just took a chance with subject matter. Mm. 
and it was great to see these sides of himself that mm. we really hadn't seen uh, before and, and did it back to back. So one, yeah. two, punch. <laughs> one, two, <laughs> baby. <laughs> well, well, I'll tell you, Kit and uh, Tom, I have Chaos and Creation Memory Almost Full as number two. Oh, <laughs> number two, because uh, I thought of that right away. But, you know, all the things you've said. And, uh, you know, I think Paul has been pretty consistent in recent times. Uh, personally, can I mean, for me, it's not around uh, flowers in the dirt, although I still think of that as as a as a kind of a getting a lot better and co coming back into form. Uh, for me, it's flaming pie till now. But uh hmm. Okay. Ultimately, come on, folks, come on. Seventies, Paul, when he ruled the world, and with Elton John, uh, <laughs> Wings, come on. What do you? Think? I know, I know, it's like the safe bet and everything, but band on the run and Venus and Mars. That's yeah. that's, that's the best one too. Right. <laughs> you know, Joe. If if you had said to me that you have to count the Russian album as a real album and you can't put Press to Play and yeah. Flowers of the Dirt together. I would have said Ben on the Run in Venus and Mars. Oh, thank you. Because, I mean, I'm, just, I'm sitting here, I'm like, you know, oh, you know, it's okay to put all things must pass live in the material world. Ringo, right. goodnight, Vienna. Well, back at you with Ben on the Run in Venus and Mars. No, all uh, kidding aside, I mean, uh, no, I think I pretty set, much said it in the beginning why I think that. It's just, you know, these days, I love McCartney, Ram, Wildlife. I'm still not a Red Rose Speedway guy. I'm sorry, uh, with some exceptions. Mm -hmm. But, I do believe that in the time, you know, people were like, what's going on with Paul at the time? Now we look at it as he, he was kind of working outside the box, right? Those early albums. And we love it. We love him for that. It, you know, he didn't mm -hmm. just do what maybe was expected of him or just very Beatle-y stuff necessarily. Although you could argue some stuff is here and there on oh, Ram maybe, yeah. uh, which I think Ram I possibly uh, think is his best album now. For a long time, I, I've been thinking Ram. But if I'm going to put two together and, and be honest, uh, yeah, I got to put those two. Band on the run of Venus and Mars, because I think, and a lot of people think that that's when he really, like, now you got it. You know, he, that's, you, you found, with Band on the run, you, you found it. Of course, now it's so played out. It's like, everybody, what's his best album? Band on the run, you know, people say all the time. So it, it gets like that, doesn't it, sometimes? Like, uh, every, it, it gets that way with every artist it's that way right. you know, it was yeah. almost expected for so many years you had to say Sgt. Pepper is the Beatles best album right now hardly anybody says well, this, this is and, true it'll come around again probably yep. but and I've caught myself and sometimes on my channel if I'm occasionally every couple of years I'm doing a recent like countdown of his albums in the sense of what's least to best for me at the moment i tend to leave band on the run out a lot of the top three or four i think i'm doing that because of fatigue factor that kind of thing and to try to root for the underdog as we say and stuff like that but if i'm going to be honest really next time i do a list that belongs in the top uh or one two three you know i mean uh something like that but yeah i mean that's when paul was really uh he was really a superstar again, you know, and he did live beyond the Beatles and took it all uh, with wings and wound up uh, reinventing himself and being a superstar of the seventies again. And he was able to do it, uh, beat the Beatles in a way, you know, get past that. So that's why I picked band on the run and Venus and Mars as much as I like, 
cast and creation, memory almost full. Well, all the things you you said, Kit and uh, Tom, those those really uh, fit together nice as a one-two punch. Yep. So, you, you know, well, it's really, it's really interesting, you know, the reappraisal these days mm, of yeah. certain albums, and it's one of the reasons why I'm grateful that all these box sets come out because now it isn't just Ram. A lot of people are looking at the pre-band on the run period from oh. Paul and yeah. really appreciating it a lot more than they ever have before, yeah. which makes yeah. me want everybody to appreciate everything else that, that hasn't been never really seen, given. Yeah, yeah. I've never seen so many people say they love wildlife now. Then yeah. It's, yeah. I've seen Red Rose Speedway, I see. Yeah. And I did see a little more. I've seen more of McCartney, too. Uh, yeah, a, approval absolutely. also. Yep. Um, yeah, so we, you know, maybe press to play. Uh, although I'm hearing a lot of approval for press to play now. Never mind if there was ever an archives or something, which right. I know we need big time. Yeah. That's my next choice. My next yep. <laughs> number <laughs> one right. choice is you press to play. But so, um, anything, uh, any interesting comments? Maybe I don't want you to go too crazy, Kit. But if you have, if you happen to something catches your eye. All right, let me uh, let me skim here. Put you on the spot. Uh, and while you're see. looking, while you're looking, kids, someone did ask earlier if a uh, concert for Bangladesh was going to get the deluxe treatment. And to answer that, uh, as we know, we, we reported here earlier, Ken did that. You know, the the Harrison Estate said that they were going to be doing the concert for Bangladesh as well. Mm. There was an article that appeared yeah. in Rolling Stone before the yeah. pandemic. It was in February last year and it went through all things must pass it made it sound like it was going to go through dark horse right. and including something on the 74 tour yep i didn't see anything about extra texture you know no. i can't imagine them just stopping at, you know right dark horse. yeah but, you know i um, never did my rebuttal about extra texture i gave you a chance with uh, bad boy that's a, we'll <laughs> save that for we'll, we'll save, save that for another next time. Out of time here <laughs> Uh, let's see. Ed Rising uh, said, "Would have done off the ground flaming pie with a few oh, of the songs. Yeah. With a few of the songs were placed on off the ground. Yeah, yeah, he just said that. yeah. Too uh, too early, but Egypt Station and McCartney Three has to be considered. I I I would consider yeah. new and Egypt Station. Yeah, I, I really wanted something to go with new. I don't I don't I don't, I don't know about Egypt Station, but what else are you going to put with it? A kiss is on the bottom. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, yeah, I don't know. Uh, let's see. Um, <laughs> uh, let me see if I could find it. Steve. Uh, oh, yeah. Steve Sanderson. Good friend of the show. Tough to choose a couple Paul albums because he's released great albums back to back to back to back to back. To back. <laughs> <laughs> that was a tough one. That right. was. Yeah. A tough yeah. One. I mean that that really uh, that really was hard to hard to pick. Uh, let's see. Uh, Ed uh, Ed Crawford agrees with you. Well, kind of agrees with both you, Joe, and you, Ken. Said press to play and flowers of the dirt are great. I would still have to go safe with band on the run and Venus and Mars. Mm. So, uh, uh, but oh, Tony DeMeo, hello, Tony. It's a stranglehold is one of my favorite Paul McCartney songs ever. Cool. Good. Right? That cool. is a great song. I I uh, I love that song too. Um, oh Hudson, hello Hudson. Yeah. He says back to the egg and McCartney too. I'm not I'm not surprised. I I do love I love back to the egg Me and uh, I'm fond of McCartney too also because of where I was in my life then uh, you know, uh, but I had a hard time 
committing to that. <laughs> it's interesting that that Hudson and I had Ethan on my YouTube channel, Ethan Alexanian. He loves McCartney too. Yep. Yeah. So two yep. young fans here. Are I was going to say McCartney that too. has kind of a young following. I, I've noticed McCartney huh. too. Huh. Mm-hmm. Oh, Bill. Oh, Bill Leary said we should have let uh, you, Joe, have traveling Wilburys. All right. <laughs> okay, we're mean. Uh, let's see. Tom Brennan. Said, did anyone pick Cloud when when we were first revealing George? Did anyone pick Cloud Nine and Brainwashed? I thought about that. Yeah, so did I. I. Yeah. But I did too. You know that was that was a consideration, but um, you know that's that you was... know that's really tough because you're dealing with two albums that were 15 years apart. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. You know? did, did did anybody pick somewhere in England and gone tropo? No. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't mind gone tropo and cloud nine because I love mm. gone tropo a lot. Yep. Right. Uh, let's see. For Ringo, Maria Lynn uh, said Vertical Man and Ringo Rama. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah I thought me. that was a possibility, too. For, for uh, I'm not as big on Ringo Rama as everybody else is, but I need to give that another list. There's some songs I love off that, but yeah. I, I need to give the whole thing uh, a reappraisal. Yeah. Uh, Tony DeMeo said Ringo Rama and Choose Love. Mm. So, oh, and love. for that, and Tom Brennan said, I'm going to be different and pick a Ringo pick Vertical Man, and I want to be Santa Claus. Uh, <laughs> oh, <okay>. uh, <laughs> uh, Tony and Tony funny. asked for John, uh, could I pick Walls and Bridges and Rock and Roll as my one-two punch? Absolutely. You can. Absolutely. Sure. Yeah. sure. Absolutely. So, yeah, a lot of different... Uh, oh, uh, Ed Crawford said uh, half... He said... Uh, uh, John, half of both Double Fantasy and Milk and Honey. I know not quite one, two, but. <laughs> yeah. I was thinking that. I wondered if anybody would pick Double Fantasy and Milk and Honey. Yeah, I know. Yep. So lots of really interesting picks here. And yeah. oh, Susan Gagney, Mind, Mind Games and Walls and Bridges. All right. So another... Excellent. Okay. Welcome yep. to the club. <laughs> we'll take it. <laughs> Get on board. So lots of lots of great picks here. Mm. Yeah. All right. Any uh well we did pretty good, I thought, overall with this. Had a lot of fun. That and uh, this is the part where I guess uh, I turn it over to Kit as to how to how to uh, reach us if you want oh. to talk with us. Absolutely. And uh, oh, and before I mention that, uh, a programming note, normally we would be uh, returning July 5th, that would be the uh, every other Monday, but uh, we are going to skip uh, July 5th, because we're figuring everybody's going to be away on, you know, or otherwise on vacation. Exactly. On (laughs) 4th of July weekend. So, uh, so mark your calendars, everybody, we will be returning July 12th. So everybody uh, go ahead and mark your calendars. It'll be July 12th, the usual time, 9 p.m. Eastern, but uh, we're just going to be skipping that Monday. So July 12th. Okay, so as far as uh, how to reach us, you can uh, reach us, of course, uh, on our Facebook page, which you're on right now. Um, you uh, can, Or if you're not, you can, of course, just type Talk More Talk, Soul Beatles Videocast, and you'll find us. Um, you can find us on YouTube. Once again, thank you for subscribing, and keep on telling your friends and neighbors we're, we'll get to 2,000 uh, in, yeah, in yeah. no time. So please, uh, right. please keep spreading the word, and we thank you again 
for, for all of your support. Um, you can find us on virtually any podcasting platform you can think of. You can email us at talkmoresolotalk at gmail.com. We want to hear your feedback, your ideas. Um, and you can find us on Twitter at talkmoretalk1, the number one. And uh, I guess that's everything. So that's everything. Every, everything except uh, what you're up to and, oh, and what, then, what, what oh, we're going to be doing. So let's uh, go around. Yeah. Well, Kit, start with you. Oh, okay. Uh, well, just a couple of things that uh, July 7th, I'm going to be giving um, a free lecture through the Avalon Free Public Library on Motown in the 1970s. I did one on the 60s a couple of months ago, so this is the sequel. Um, it's absolutely free, and, and did I mention it's free? And uh, you can sign up, um, and uh, I'll put the link uh, once again on our page. Uh, it's going to be July 7th at 6 p.m. Eastern. So there'll be music, there'll be pictures, it'll be a lot of fun. So hope to see some familiar faces. And also the new, um, new issue of Beetle Fan just came out. Uh, and I have an article in it. It's a kind of a long article I'm really proud of about the Beatles and Motown and how they kind of interacted with each other, how they influenced each other. So if you're not a subscriber, go to BeetleFan.com and you can find out how to, how to sign up. There may be a version of it that will appear online. Uh, in the future, I'm not a hundred percent sure. I'll keep you posted on that. How many? How many? How many pages did Bill King give you? Um, it, at least two. On that article, so I'm not okay. sure. <laughs> it's it's yeah, it's a yeah. it's a long one. <laughs> so, uh, but I'm really I'm really excited about it. I I, I worked very hard on it. So, and don't forget, um, Ringo did. Where did our logo? That's right. In the seventies, <laughs> and, <laughs> and it's also going to be his birthday, July seventh. That's all. That's all. That's right. That's Absolutely. right. Eighty-one, and wow. we love that cover. <laughs> and he so, also did money. He did money. That's oh, right. Another. Go. Yep. That's another right. uh, Motown. That's right. So, uh, so, and of course, you can follow me on Facebook and and uh, all that, and find out what I'm up to. So, that's it. Okay, Tom. How about you? Well, busy as always in the two-leg two uh, world. Uh, we just finished our series, Ranking the Tracks, which we had a lot of fun with. Thank you, everybody that joined us that was on our YouTube channel, Two Legs, a Paul McCartney podcast. We brought back my cousin, David Gargolino, uh, two friends, uh, Dylan Seavey and Ethan Alexanian, who have contributed uh, to Two Legs throughout the years. So we want to thank them as well for, for everything that they have done. So once again, that's on our YouTube channel right now. The I think it's volume 20 seven of ranking the tracks and thank you again thank you everybody that has joined us for that we've had a wonderful time with that we just posted our last episode this past saturday titled the word and what we did there is we took all the main canons and uh, all the main albums in mccartney canon and we described them in one word and uh we had a lot of fun with that it was pretty cool a pretty cool exercise um and wordplay on that um again please check out our youtube channel two legs at paul mccartney podcast we just passed 600 subs so thank Thank you for everybody that has uh, subscribed to our channel. I want to thank personally thank Joe for you know allowing me to you know talk about the show on his channel as well. And um, you know we have been having a lot of fun. Andy and I we just recorded this, uh, an episode with uh, Matthew Streets, and that'll be up next Saturday. And we're going to be talking about our favorite McCartney lyrics. Mm, so that's what's cool. going on right now. All right, Ken. Okay, first of all, there's my YouTube channel, Ken Michaels Radio. I've been having some difficulty uploading lately. 
Uh-oh. Recording's not a problem, but uploading certainly is. But uh, in the last few weeks, I've done uh, some new interviews uh, with um, Alan Cozen, uh, my partner in crime over at uh, Things We Said Today, discussing what we think uh, was the Beatles' peak creatively as a band, and also discussing his work on the McCartney Legacy uh, book series that he's been working on. And also I had Joe Mayo, our own Joe on. (laughs) And um, he was the first person to participate in my Fab Five show, picking uh, five go-to albums, one from the Beatles and one each from the solo Beatles. As soon as this uploading issue has been resolved, uh, we've got one with Kit, in which he does a number nine dream show on George nice. Harrison. Oh, cool. And um, I just did an interview with David Courtney, who is a songwriter and producer and recording artist, best known for writing with Leo Sayer. He wrote The Show Must Go On, that was a, a hit for Three Dog Night, and Long Tall Glasses, I Can Dance. Um, in addition to that, uh, he was involved with uh, an album from Adam Faith called I Survive, which came out in 1974. And Paul and Linda appeared on that doing backing vocals on a song. And he also produced the One of the Boys album for Roger Daltrey, for which Paul McCartney contributed the song Giddy. So uh, David Courtney is the producer for that. He talks about that whole experience, his whole career. And I also like to delve into the mind of a songwriter and get them to talk about the Beatles as songwriters to learn how maybe they affected him as a songwriter, influence him in any way. So that's coming up on my channel as soon as I get this whole issue resolved with uploading. Um, I just did a show with Plastic EP, a real fun Thanks. show in which uh, we reviewed the Red Rose Speedway album. And I did that with Jim Ryan and Hudson Ranney and Daniel Costin and Mark Arnold from the Fun Ideas podcast. That was a great show. And we all just went track by track and spoke of what we thought about each song on Red Rose Speedway. Um, so again, look for that on the Plastic EP channel. The last things we said today's show was the Paul McCartney birthday special. So we did something like a number nine dream show and we did our top three solo Paul, top three solo McCartney albums, uh, top three McCartney Beatles songs, and also one of each in the least favorite category. Mm. And, uh, that's on things we said today, which is on, uh, YouTube and iTunes and Podbean. And finally, there's my website, KenMichaelsRadio.com, Beatles trivia every single week. Starting next week, I'll give away a copy of the new Jonathan Pushkar album with that cover of Junior's Farm. And don't forget, you can win Kit's book, Songs We Were Singing, every single week on that page. And there's a multiple choice trivia question that's already up on the the website, KenMichaelsRadio.com. Play along. You have a whole week to answer and win one of 10 great prizes. No cheating. So. No cheating. No. <laughs> no cheating. Don't go he to stays. Google. That's right. That's right. Too easy. Beetle fans are all honest. That's you right. Know? They would not cheat. That's right. I hear that. All right. And for me, Joe Mayo, uh, please watch my channel on YouTube, Mean Mr. Mayo, and subscribe. Um, I have a show on there called Fab Gab which uh, I'm going to be having a special guest uh, if all goes the way we were talking about. <laughs> we're planning it. I know, I'm looking now to see. It's Ken Michaels is scheduled to be on the next episode live of Fab Gab, 
which would be this coming Sunday, unless things change, let me know, Ken. Uh, it should be at 7 p.m. Eastern time. It's live. You just got to go to the Mean Mr. Mayo YouTube channel, and the Fab Gab will come up uh, at that time, uh, 7 p.m. Eastern. And we're going to be attempting to rank the songs on the Let It Be album from our least favorite song to our most favorite song. It's oh. pretty so, obvious that Maggie May has got to be my favorite. Uh, <laughs> maybe it might be, <laughs> let me dig it. No, 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 that's, <laughs> yeah. no slouch. Come on. That, that's no slouch, Ken, that song either. <laughs> and I'm supposed to, I'm supposed to uh, record a show with Sam Wiles for uh, Paul or Nothing, which uh, I was supposed to do it the other day, but uh, you got the time mixed up. So we're going to shoot again for it uh, later on in the week. All right. So can I say one more thing? Since you mentioned one Sam. more thing, we got a yeah, time. It. I'm recording a show with Sam too. We're going to be reviewing Off the Ground, so we're uh, uh, we're doing that this weekend. I finally think. getting to Off the Ground. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, and <laughs> oh. I just I just recorded that show too. The Mecca in the Attic, I think he's calling it. Where we he has McCartney collectors come on his show and uh, present five unique, rare, pricey, you know, McCartney items in your collection. Yep. And, I think I'm doing Mac in the Attic next week. Oh, see, when I started, look, it's my fault, folks. That's, my fault. that's a great title. Yeah. yeah. Mac in the Mac Attic. In the yeah. Attic. All right, folks. So uh, good good for, for you all to be here. Thank you so much. And, uh, you know, this is Joe Mayo. I'm trying to think of a, of a closing. Give me a close time. You usually do with this. Joe Mayo for uh, Kiddo Tool, Tom Hunyadi, and Ken Michael saying uh, one, two. Give me your one, two, one, two. <laughs> you know, like that. I don't know what else to say. Let me see your fighting stance. <laughs> I think you got a super weapon money. there, Ralph. <laughs> Probably might die, die laughing when he sees you. All right, all right, folks. Thanks Good for night. watching. Good night. Take care. Thank you. Peace and love. What?